Blog Talk Radio. on Sylvia Global. It's a pleasure to have all of you with me today, and I'd like to go ahead and introduce our wonderful guests for our first session. Uh, my name is Rachel Payne. I'm the CEO and co-founder of Fem Inc. Fem Inc. is a technology and entertainment company whose mission is to promote positive female portrayals in popular entertainment. With me today are two of the other Fem Inc. co-founders, as well as our special guest, Johanna Blackley, who represents the USC Norman Lear Center. Uh, first, I'd like to turn it over to Johanna to introduce yourself, to tell us a little bit about the Norman Lear Center, and then I will turn it over to my co-founders, Megana and Natasha. Thank you. Hi, everyone. My name is Johanna Blakely, and I'm the Managing Director and Director of Research at the Norman Lear Center. We're based at the Annenberg School for Communication and Journalism at the University of Southern California. And our mission is to look at the social impact of entertainment and media. And for about 13 years now, we've been doing a project funded by the Centers for Disease Control in order to find out what the impact is of entertainment programming on audiences. And we've been focusing specifically on health content. So if you see an episode of House or ER or CSI or Law and Order, often there will be some health information in those TV episodes. And so what we do is social science research in order to figure out whether individual attitudes have changed, whether there's been some behavior change, or whether people simply know a little bit more about a health topic that's been integrated into a really compelling entertainment storyline. And so that's the reason I believe that, that Rachel and the Fleming team um, came to the Lear Center in order to find out a little bit more about the academic research that had been, that had been done on media impact. And we have a long history in doing that, and we're launching a brand new project we just launched on Monday called the Media Impact Project, where we're really expanding our purview and looking at the way that all kinds of media content on many different platforms uh, affect individual attitudes, behavior, and knowledge. Wonderful. Thank you for that comprehensive overview. I'd like to turn it over to uh, Dr. Megan Abbott. And uh, Megan, if you could tell us a little bit about your background and what brought you to Fem Inc. and very quickly, a little bit about your research that helped you come to the place where you realize that media does play a role in how people perceive women. Um, so I have had sort of uh, an interesting path. I started out uh, studying math in college, and then I, I've sort of slowly continued to move away from the abstract and more towards the applied. So my PhD is in um, behavioral and neuroeconomics, so that's the intersection of economics and psychology and neuroscience. Um, so what I really want to, what I really have been studying for the past, I guess, 10 years now is um, the biological and psychological basis of behavior, how people make decisions, how people perceive things, why they do what they do. Um, one of the things that I, I studied sort of along the way is how repeated exposures to certain kinds of patterns, for example, media, can really affect 
our ability to see things as they are. Um, one of the things that you find in neuroscience is that even when you're looking around at, at the world, you're actually, you feel like you're seeing more than you're biologically seeing. Your brain fills in the rest. And your brain fills in the rest based on what it's seen before. Um, so a lot of what you've seen before is media. So that's one of the reasons why I sort of came to this belief that media is an incredibly important influencer of how we see the world, and specifically how we see women and how women see themselves. Thank you very much. And Natasha, if you could tell us a little bit about your background and specifically what, what it has been like to be a computer scientist and a female, and what you think the opportunity is uh, in, in the realm of media and entertainment. Um, yeah, I actually came to the United States uh, from India to do my undergraduate at a small um, liberal arts college on the East Coast called Mount Holyoke. And one of the things um, when I was there that really struck me is how few women were studying computer science. And if you have further conversations with them, it isn't so much that they don't like it or that they are unable to do it. It's more that they never considered it, that women went through their entire teenage years in high schools without even considering a career in technology. When I then came to work at Google, I realized firsthand the impact of those decisions. When you take big technology companies, under 20% of the engineers are women. This actually has a real impact on the kinds of products that are developed. As we all know, technology is one of the biggest driving forces right now, and a lot of products are created and targeted to women. The really interesting question there is how many of them actually are built by women or have women influencing the product building? That is something that during my time at Google really, really struck me and I realized how important and essential it is that products that whose primary usage is by women must, really must have women as decision makers and influencers and engineers in the building of that product. That's, that's just kind of how I came to it. To be very honest, um, I actually feel very recently did not understand the impact of media on any of this. My approach to getting more young girls into science was to mentor, through mentoring or science workshops or computer science workshops just to get them the exposure to uh, technology. When I got introduced to Rachel and Meghna, they talked about the really well-documented impact of media on decision-making. And I was thoroughly convinced at that point, and I realized that individually, and I will continue to do mentoring because individually it makes a difference, but if you think collectively, if you think of what is good for society in general, you realize that media is the number one force that will shape how people think about engineering, how people think about technology, and will therefore be the biggest influencer in getting young girls into these fields. Thank you very much. So, Johanna, we, uh, we recall a time not too long ago when we were discussing potential research with you, and we wanted to understand what's the one area where we think we could help describe these impacts in a specific way that would help explain not only the kind of research that you do, but the opportunity that FEM Inc. is trying to pioneer as well. And you suggested uh, that we pursue a report that focuses on the role of media in shaping perceptions of science and technology for girls and women. And I'd like to hear a little bit more about your perspective 
on why that is an important area for us to focus on and some of the work that you've been doing in that field. Well, as I mentioned, we've done a lot of media impact research, um, looking at how individuals are affected by portrayals in entertainment media on television. Um, I think people believe that if media has an impact on people's direct behavior, it's usually because it's news programming, it's fact-based programming, where you're being informed about the world and therefore you make some changes in your life, and of course that's at play. But I think what people are less comfortable with and less willing to acknowledge is that the stories and the representations and the images that surround us play a very powerful rhetorical role in our lives, sort of telling us about what the norms are, what standards are for perception, what's funny, what's sexy, what's cute. And uh, one of the big problems that, that we've seen in the field of STEM uh, and, and getting women interested in careers in this area is that it's cultural attitudes towards women in STEM that seem to be the big stumbling block. I totally agree with Natasha that mentoring programs work very well on an individual level, and particularly with women. A lot of studies have shown that women respond very well to a mentoring relationship. But if you're trying to solve a problem at scale, really one of the best ways to do that is to look at media and to look at mass media in particular and to see what sorts of cultural roadblocks might be in the way to people adopting these practices and these different behaviors. And so whenever people are asking me about how it is that you can harness the power of media for some sort of social good, I always tell them the first thing you need to do is research. You need to find out what the state of the situation truly is at this moment. And thankfully, we have this history of what we call entertainment education research, where we look at just how effective educational messages within entertainment programming are, how effective they are. Um, but in order to do that well, you also have to sort of uh, take uh, some sort of account of what's out there in the media environment. You also have to do a study in order to figure out what the content really says right now. And that kind of work is, uh, to some extent, what we uh, talked about in, in the white paper that you mentioned, but there's, there's so much more work to be done. And I, I think sending can play a really wonderful uh, 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 moving role in that situation. Thank you very much. And uh, over to Megana, um, could you describe a little bit about the research that you did in identifying some of these stereotypical portrayals and importantly, some of the findings around how these can be countered with positive messaging and imagery. So one of the things that um, has been studied a lot in the field of social psychology is a thing called stereotype threat. Um, basically, it's, it's a fairly robust thing where if you show people images or give them messages or any sort of prompt that makes them think about a stereotype about themselves, you can affect their behavior. Uh, one, of the, one of the paradigms that they've looked at this most in is actually women with regard to science and math. So if you remind women of their female identity, they, they will actually do measurably worse on a math test. Um, 
so one so one of the things that they've looked at in, in terms of ways to combat this is to give women examples of women who are in science or women who are leaders and see how that then can ameliorate the, st the stereotype of um, threat effect. So there have been a number of studies that have shown that if you give women examples of, of fictional or factual women who are successful in a particular area, you can decrease the stereotype effect on their subsequent behavior. Um, these are these are sort of different than the kinds of research that Johanna's mentioned. She she she's been talking about really sort of studies in the wild, and these are much more laboratory based, where you give people a stimulus and then you give them a test or a task, and you see how they do. So that's one of the things that that has been found over and over again is that if you give people sort of examples that yes, women can do this, they do better. So. So you mentioned fictional or factual. Yeah. Um, a lot of these are just descriptions of hypothetical people. Some of them are just pictures. One is actually the, the some, and a lot of them are not terribly explicit. One of the best studies, or my favorite studies that I saw, was actually just on textbook images. So they gave um, both female and male uh, junior high students um, a chemistry lesson. And the illustration, the photo of the person doing an experiment was either a male or a female. And they see, and they saw how that affected the student's ability to learn the content of that lesson. And girls, in fact, did learn the lesson better when the picture was of a girl. That's fascinating. Mm -hmm. And that's just a picture. That's so just a picture. If, if may I add, pose a question to all the panelists? What is the state of media and entertainment today in terms of how women are being represented in popular entertainment? And would you say that these images or portrayals are supporting more women going into science and technology careers, or would you say it's not helping? Well, um, I guess research that's sort of recently been done by the Gina Davis Institute has done a lot, has actually really delved into this question of whether and how women are portrayed in scientific jobs. And um, they found that not only were women vastly outnumbered by men in, um, in family films, primetime television, and children's entertainment, but these ratios were worse in family films than primetime films. And also, if you looked at the breakdown of what kind of science they did, women like women were much more likely to be in the biological or medical sciences. They were almost never portrayed in, in for example, engineering. And that, um, yeah, and that, How does that actually compare does with reality? reality. Huh? How does that compare with reality? So that actually does mirror um, current reality. Uh, Women, women, women's entry into the biological sciences is much higher than it is into the so-called hard sciences, um, like physics, engineering, chemistry. Um, however, there's even in the biological sciences, there's a major problem um, in having these, these women undergraduates are not necessarily turning into graduate students, and the graduate students are definitely not turning into professors at the same rate as the male students. Mm -hmm. So, uh, turning to the question of how do we get more representation of women in popular entertainment or 
another way to ask that would be how might we help promote those images that do exist that we think are doing a good job. Natasha, what do you think? Oh, I actually wanted to make a comment on something that Megan has said. Oh, this is um, please. Go ahead. Uh, and it's more that, you know, I think it's it's a it's a representation of reality, but if you watch TV, you will feel like there are no women engineers. That's but true. They exist. And so I think it's like when we say reality representation, they are right in an, in an overarching scheme. Like, you know, there are more women in biology than they are in physics, but there are female physicists. So if you are a young girl and you like physics, you may be in a minority, but you won't be alone. And I think that makes a profound difference for a lot of women, and in college especially, saying, I don't mind being in a minority, but I don't want to be the only woman in a, in a classroom. And that, that, that change, that representation really reinforces that if you pick this, you are by yourself. Yeah. And I feel just more representations will at least give young girls, women in college, a sense that you're not alone. It's true because sometimes you will be the only the only one in the classroom. I I, I remember that feeling well from college. Um, so no, but that's a really good point. But um, I think to your point earlier, Megan, it's also the pipeline problem. It is, and part of the reason why you're alone in the classroom is because there aren't enough girls opting for this path. And as Natasha said, these choices get made very early. They're not even considering it. So yeah. part of it is how do we fill the classroom with more women? Mm -hmm. And secondly, how do we also make sure that media is more representative of the fact that women are in these fields, even if they are the minority, they're certainly not invisible. It's just you would, have, you would imagine they are invisible given the way that they are not present in popular entertainment today. Mm -hmm. Natasha, so what's your solution? Oh, I wish I had a solution. That is <laughs> If I get to solve this, um, I would be a much happier person. I think uh, from a spamming standpoint, given that today media is consumed across multiple devices and it's many different kinds of media, you get TV shows, um, you have films, you have the world and the rather crazy world of online entertainment. And if you look at where young people are at, they are everywhere. They watch films and shows, but they also watch a lot of online entertainment. So our take on the problem is to curate the existing content to help parents and women discover entertainment that would be empowering to them, something that they could relate to and would have a positive influence on their lives. So we took at first the, uh, the STEM problem and wanted to see if there are shows, TV shows we could curate that represent women kicking ass in science and technology. <laughs> so to that point, I will go ahead and do a screen share. And <laughs> if any of you are not able to see it, let me know. Um, so let me just do this really quickly. Are you able to see my screen yet? No, I just see I just see your face. Oh, okay. Hold on. Well, so then I, I wanted Mingna to talk a little bit about some of her favorite characters from there. And oh. Was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, yeah, actually, this was, this was actually a pretty fun thing to build. Um, we, uh, some of the characters on that watch list are, are characters that I grew up with. Wait, wait, um, back up. We need to talk about what is the watch list. So can you see the screen yet? Yes. yes. Okay, mm -hmm. so this is the Femink website. 
And what we're talking about is what we're calling a watch list, women to watch, who are in science and technology roles. So this is our watch list. Okay, Megana, over to you. Okay. Um, so as I said, some of some of these characters are, are ones that I grew up with. Like um, I think we just scrolled past Beverly Crusher. I was a big Star Trek The Next Generation uh, fan when I was a kid. Um, but what was interesting was actually by in creating the technology that we've been creating and creating these watch lists, I've actually started watching a couple of new shows. And um, there's one in particular that I just recently started watching um, with a character named Claudia. And there's a whole, there's like a three episode arc before she even comes onto the stage. And in this, uh, and in this arc, there's a hacker. Which and they keep on there? talking about, uh, this is Warehouse 13. Okay. Um, Claudia. Okay. Yeah. So um, they so for three episodes they're talking about this hacker and this hacker is obviously a him and he's doing this and how is he getting in and what is he doing and then finally you have the big reveal of this 18 year old girl <laughs> with punk hair and she's just like didn't you figure out it was me? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. <laughs> Yeah, I think more characters like this certainly make being not just a hacker, but also an engineer vastly more interesting and appealing. I guess partly because there's still the role for the individual, but also it's much more relevant, I would think. Mm -hmm. And actually, one of the studies we came across when we were putting together the white paper said that it's not just the fact that you're showing women or not showing women, but women are, are quite sensitive to the social imagery we have around um, scientists, especially the imagery that sort of says that scientists are inherently kind of awkward and socially inept. Um, so there was one study they, they had where they had um, female college students who were not science majors interact with a supposed science major who was either male or female and either kind of stereotypical in the sense of wearing like a geeky t-shirt and having glasses and um, having kind of, you know, looking like they play role-playing games and somebody who was sort of more normal, who, you know, whose favorite magazine was Rolling Stone um, and who, you know, wore Abercrombie and Fitch and generally looked like a normal college student. Um, and they found that regardless of the gender of the person that they interacted with, after interacting with a science student who's, who looked more quote-unquote normal, they reported uh, greater confidence in their ability to take and succeed at a computer science course. Fascinating. So just so everyone has it, the report that Megan is referring to here is the white paper that was co-authored with our very special guest, Johanna Blackley and the um, Zen Inc. team. And it's available uh, on our website, of course, for free. And there are a number of instances where recommendations are provided for how to make this a more positive influence for girls and women. So thank you for that overview. And again, you can find that at zeninc.com forward slash women in STEM. Or you can go to the Scientists and Techies watch list on FemInc.com as well. So with that, I'd like to turn it over to the panelists for any final words, uh, especially any recommendations that you might have for how we collectively can do something about this challenge. 
So I think that one of the things that um, certainly needs to happen is that we need to allow people to understand that media can have these sorts of effects and also to demand and find the media that's already out there that has more diverse, more interesting representations. So looking, I mean, I think a lot, I think some women sort of subconsciously do look for content that has stronger women in it, but it's very difficult to search for it or, or to find it. So one of the things that we're trying to do is create a way for people to go and find entertaining shows that have have women doing a number of interesting, diverse things, and I think, um, and that are also just sort of fun to watch. That's that's one of the things that I think needs to happen. I would love to do a research study mm -hmm. um, that uh, is, would be based on another research study that we did uh, a few years ago about depictions of government workers. Mm. in uh, television TV shows, in uh, fictional primetime shows. Yeah. What we did is we compared attitudes among a representative American audience of people who watched shows that had government themes and people who watched shows that did not have those themes. And mm -hmm. so we could do a similar study with shows that, have, that depict women who are scientists and involved mm -hmm. in engineering and STEM careers and uh, people who watch shows that do not include any of those representations and see what sorts of differences we see between attitudes and knowledge and behavior in those two groups. I think that would be a really fun study. And no, I think that would. And actually, wasn't there that pilot study that, Johanna, you actually um, pointed out to me that, that that didn't, it wasn't a controlled study in any, in, in a sense we that have, they did. One minute. I'm sorry. I don't want to cut you off, but I just want to leave time for Natasha in case she has any final words too. Sorry, Megan. I, I have one but, comment. I think one of the things uh, that is missing sort of we've talked about so far is the creation of better content. I mean, mm -hmm. one can only curate what is created. Uh, and I think one way we can all help in better creation of content is coming together to aggregate our demands of what we would like to watch. Right now, I feel like women's voices get lost in the decision-making on what content to create. What should the summer blockbuster look like? How many women should be in it? And I think if we all come together, I mean, we are the biggest demographic, and we come together and say, we're looking for better women or women doing more different, different things. I feel content creators will respond to that demand, and curation will become an easier task. No, I think you're right. And actually, that, that reminds me of... Um a conversation I was having recently um, with somebody who, who works at an unnamed studio and they were talking about a potential movie idea where, which was about science and the lead character was a woman. And one of the executives actually called and said, you know, I just don't think people will buy this. So one of the things that I think going to Natasha's point is that if we can show that not only will people buy this, but people want this, um, that can go a long way towards changing the media environment. Very interesting. Well, thank you all very much. This is very illuminating, and I really appreciate you sharing your individual perspectives and expertise with this group. Uh, thank you again, and uh, we look forward to reconnecting next week at the same time. Um, well, actually, next week will be at 12 o'clock Pacific time, and uh, we look forward to expanding the conversation. Thank you. Thank you.